Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to episode 104 of Double Hot Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and craft beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a craft beer intermediate. We are continuing our search for home brewers across the country, and today we are joined by John from Iron Ton Brewing. Hi, John. Hi, how's it going? It's going good. How's it over in, I think you're in the Denver area, right? I'm in Denver, yes. Great. So we're going to just hop right into you and your home brewing story. How did you get into it? Well, I think I have a pretty typical backstory. Like a lot of home brewers, I started hanging around someone else that was home brewing. In this case, it was my uh, brother. And uh, I started coming over to his place for brew days. He had a typical brew in a bag set up at that time with a propane burner on the patio and uh, fermenting in just a plastic bucket like so many others do, I think. Um, it was really eye-opening because I, it never occurred to me at the time that you could brew beer by yourself. Never thought about it. And I remember thinking, because of the stigma of you know distillers and moonshiners, I remember having to ask, is this even legal? <laughs> <laughs> well, some states, it, it's not legal. I think there's still a couple out there. But oh, yeah. is that right? Yeah. And, you know, luckily for Jimmy Carter, he really made homebrewing a reality and made it not illegal. But again, it comes down to how much you brew in a year. There's still restrictions depending on what state you live in. But uh, continue. True. Yeah. True. Fun, little fun fact. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so that was kind of my eye opening moment. Um, I, I always enjoyed the craft beers uh, even before then. And so I started thinking, wow, you know, I didn't think you could just do this at home. And so later, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, ended up surprising me that Christmas with a beginner's kit from Northern Brewing. I think it was the, the Chinook IPA that so many people have probably brewed before <laughs> with, that, with that kit. But I didn't know any better, and I, I was so excited. I think I was like a kid on Christmas who got that one surprise present that they didn't know they wanted, and then they realized, whoa. So that was great, and I brewed that kit in our kitchen in in an apartment at the time and it turned out really great i think i was impressed with how how well it came out because i really didn't have any expectations for it uh, being my very first time and and so i think after that I, I was hooked knew i had found my hobby and what really solidified it was then later when my wife and i got married my brother and i ended up brewing a double batch for the wedding oh so we had a a uh, amber ale extract and an all grain IPA that we did and we bottled it and we even got custom labels printed and the bartenders at the wedding allowed us to supply our own alcohol so we gave them these cases of our home brew and they handed it out of the wedding and it, it was the first thing to, to go uh, it was wow. just a huge hit now what did, um, did you come up with special names for those brews and if so what'd you name them uh, we, we did. I, I may have plagiarized them to a degree, but okay. the, IPA, <laughs> the IPA, I remember it was called um, Hopley Ever After. I was just going to say, it's going to be Hopley <laughs> for sure. Yeah, of course. The Amber was called uh, Amorous Amber. Oh, that's very cute. Such words you hear from home brewing. So cute. <laughs> yeah. So that, that really locked it in. And I, I think at that point, I, I knew I'd found my hobby. So you, you knew so much that you recently had renovations done to kind of make an actual brewery. I was looking at your Instagram photos and we'll kind of get into the process and what it looks like now. But I just want to say, holy floor drain. That is, as J and to use James's phrase that he loves to say, that's a sexy floor drain. Yes. 
Yes, it is. Yes, it is, isn't it? I, I think out of all of the features of, of the, the brewery here, the floor drain has got to be the most practical and, and probably the most important on brew day. And very envious from a lot of other homebrewers who don't have, especially James, does not have a floor drain. So why don't you kind of take us through the process of where is that space actually located? How did you decide to go and take under this big renovation and how did it go? Well, it's been a a journey. You know, we were living in an apartment when I was was still kind of brewing more simple equipment at the time. And we we bought the house a couple of years ago, and I struggled to find a good space to set up shop and brew. I remember I actually had to dump a batch because it, it just went so horribly. And I think that was the moment when I said, you know, uh, we really need to, to do something here. And we knew we wanted to renovate the basement in the first place just to get some more space for the kids and maybe redo the bathroom. And I said, well, you know, why don't we take this opportunity and also build a brewery? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? So we we found a really great contractor here in the Denver area, and they had never built a brewery, as you might imagine. Not a common request, but they were more than excited to take on kind of a unique challenge. And I kind of supplied the direction and told them everything I needed to have and where things should go. And they were great. They were excited to help and they bounced some ideas off me too. And they they ended up doing just a spectacular job. The spaces are HVAC room, the mechanical room in the basement, but we ended up pushing a wall back five feet to eat up into the guest bedroom. And we actually had to relocate the utilities. So the furnace and water heater were moved. Wow. Wow. Um, it, It was quite an undertaking. And I ended up with 200 square feet of pure brewery. So Wow. That's impressive. I think that's about a third of our old house. So yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty big Very space. Envious. You know, you got the floor drain. You got the, you're eating away at the guest space. So you're kind of like, you know what, the yes. brewing versus the guest staying at the house, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, we're lucky to have a, a pretty sizable basement to work with, but. Yeah, the, the floor drain I knew from day one I needed to have. And so they, they had a jackhammer up the floor and reroute a lot of the plumbing. They put in a reverse osmosis water system for me that's fed to a pot filler over the kettles. Wow. They, they had to run the 50-amp circuit for the uh, control panel. Initially, we looked at putting in a, um, a vent hood to um, for the steam mm-hmm. mitigation. Uh, but that, that just was going to be too much, too too large and expensive. So we ended up with just a high CFM exhaust fan in the ceiling that works well, um, as well as, of course, I have a, a steam condensing lid. But the space works really great, and I've had a couple of brews already, and it's working out really well. And with the new space, what does your system setup look like? Do you have a three kettle, or what are you working with now? So I have the 20-gallon bottom drain trio system from Bike Brewing. So I, I purchased new equipment with the renovation, so I upgraded everything. And it, it's amazing. I, I absolutely love it. I was coming from the grandfather previously, and it, you know, it did perfectly fine. But it, it's just such a huge step up in equipment. I think that it really has allowed me to do all kinds of different things um, and more easily too. So it was a huge improvement. And what was your first brew that you did on that new system? <laughs> that was a Hefeweizen, actually, one that I've brewed in the past in. We, we really enjoy, and so it seemed appropriate to try a tried-and-true beer on the new system for the first time, and it came out really, really great. Now, 
you had mentioned before that you would always brew with your brother. Now, is he coming over to your place now to brew, or are you still do, yeah. splitting time between each other's brewing spaces? Well, you, you would think he would be more interested to get down here and brew <laughs> with me. No, he's been down, but it's a little bit of a drive, so you know he can't be here every time. But yeah, I, I would always welcome his expertise, and uh, you know maybe we could collaborate a, a little bit more and, and get some better brews going here. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to call him out and say he was needs to make more of an effort, but I guess the drive is a legitimate reason to not come down all the time. <laughs> well, he, he's actually a PhD biophysicist oh my himself. Gosh. So the uh, the biology of fermentation and yeast and what have you is, um, you know, kind of his forte in that area. So he's his scientific expertise is always valued. <laughs> so if you need some yeast, you're, you're going to your brother and saying, hey, uh, can you propagate some yeast for me? <laughs> I'm not sure if he's ever tried that. That's the next thing he'll have to do to supply you with your yeast for yeah, exactly. your brewing space. Yeah. <laughs> so when did the kind of concept of being a brewery or having like a, a name come about? Was that recently or have you had that since the beginning? Uh, no, the name is new. I, I think I needed to give myself kind of a brand or a name with such this major undertaking it felt appropriate to have something to call it. So we, we live on Ironton Street, and which doesn't sound very creative to begin with, <laughs> but I, <laughs> Ironton is actually named after an old abandoned silver mining town in Uray County here in Colorado. And so something about that, kind of the namesake of the street, and I looked it up and the, the little town of Silverton was a mining destination and then Ironton was just beyond it, and it was like a resupply town for the miners. It was part of what they called the Million Dollar Highway, one of the very first toll roads in the country. And it's something just spoke to me about, I think, taking something natural and through a process and refinement, turning it into something very desirable, you know, both silver and beer. And I have to imagine that the miners at the time probably went home after a long shift and had more than one beer themselves. So something seemed uh, to speak to me about that. Yeah, I never actually kind of thought about that process. It's the, like you're saying with the refining and the mining and everything, it's kind of, it, it is similar to brewing beer. Really I never well, really thought about that. Really we've, well. we've talked to a couple of people who have, you know, the mining kind of background as their brewing history as well. So I've, that's, you've made yeah, a connection for like me. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, and I think that's the great thing, too, with being a homebrewer and trying to find your own identity within, you know, the, the hobby. And I think it, a lot of people are grasping at family connections, something that's important to them, or geographic even. And I think you just picked mm -hmm. a great example for something that's meaningful to you and something that speaks to kind of your area and where, where you're from to have that identity. Yeah, yeah. I, there, I looked to see if there was an Ironton Brewing that existed already. And while there isn't, there was an Ironton distillery in Denver, which was really surprising. But they, they did not seem to mind if I uh, <laughs> borrowed the namesake. They said, go for it. That's good. They always have to have that blessing. Yes. So one of the other things that you have in your new brew space is the Raspberry Pi. So you have a computer. Like you're just very tech savvy or tech advanced and all new things. So why did you decide to have or put that in as part of the renovations? Well, I'm an engineer by trade, and I do a lot of software uh, in my job. So it really was natural for me. You know, the Raspberry Pi operates on a, on a Linux operating system as opposed to Microsoft Windows, and that's something I use every day at work. So I kind of had an idea already what could be done with it. 
I'd seen a lot of people using it for various purposes. For me, I currently, the main reason I got it was for the tilt hydrometer so that you could have something that would continue to read the, the gravity readings over Bluetooth uh, without having to leave an old phone sitting around somewhere that could barely even power on like my eight-year-old Samsung phone that, you know, I would fuddle with every time and it would power off and go back to the home screen and it would stop taking readings. So having the Pi is nice because you can just sit it and forget about it and it continues to take the readings and post them to the cloud. So that was really the main reason for doing it. Kind of in doing so, I realized that the the latest version of the Tilt software hadn't quite been released for my Raspberry. And so being a software guy, I was impatient. So I went ahead <laughs> and programmed up my own little app, kind of mimicking the, the Tilt app on my Raspberry. So that's something I, I hope to advertise more on my Instagram and maybe share the program with others if they're interested. But it really accomplishes the same thing. And unlike a lot of engineers out there, I think it's really cool that you are like, okay, I'm familiar with the software. I'm going to make, I'm going to bring my knowledge in that industry into my home brewing versus those who just want to have nothing to do with it. They do it for their job. They, they do it every day. And then they want brewing to be just not tech savvy. They just want it. You know, you have the one kettle and you just throw, you know, stuff in the pot. So I think it's great that you took that initiative to say, you know, I have these skills. How can I enhance my own hobby with it? So that's really cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got the skills, why not make it easier for yourself? Work harder or smarter, not harder. (laughs) That's the saying. And I think the closest we'll get to having raspberry pie in the brewery would be if Shannon is going to make a raspberry pie and bring it to me in the brewery. Uh I think that's You could get a raspberry pie, James. You could get one. A raspberry pie beer. Yeah. I did just make a raspberry sour, so that was kind of similar. I just, maybe I'll add some graham cracker next time. Um, But James, you used to have your tilt on an old iPad. So, you know, not an old iPhone, but still a similar situation. Yeah, exactly. The same same yeah, situation. Yeah, your iPad is occupied and you can't use your iPad then for the whole fermentation. But there's just something so cool about being able to track your fermentation and not guessing or not taking the standard two-week time frame that you're going to get in a lot of your kit recipes of just saying, you know, primaries a week and then secondary, you're going to want to either transfer it or wait another week for most ales and then, you know, you're ready to basically go. And you're taking those hydrometer readings. So I think it's mm-hmm. just great that you can see real time of have you met the potential that you're wanting? Do you want to cut off, you know, your ABV? A lot of people just want to get it as big as possible. Big beers. We just had one of our friends request in our Spice Dale that we usually do a 6% to mm-hmm. up it to 8%. So I said 7.4. Mm-hmm. Is that enough for you? And he's like, nope, make it 8. <laughs> so I made it 8.3 just to put it over the top for him. Yeah. How did it come out? Um, it's, it's, it's in the fermenter, it's still so in progress. it's in progress, <laughs> but right now it's tracking at an 8.3. So it's, it's humming away. We used the, uh, Y yeast London ale yeast for that one. And we did two, pa- we over pitched. So I think we're not going to have any issues with hitting that 8.3. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I also just used that strain with my current batch that I used Imperial's version, the A38 juice. And it, really slowed down it's almost stalled in at around 43 gravity points way too early 
it really surprised me. And I just let it sit for another week and it would tick down one or two gravity points a day until it hit 20, which is about what I was expecting. But I, I've never seen an ale go so slowly. Have you guys seen anything with that yet? We've seen that several times when we've brewed with actually that same Imperial yeast and then a couple yeah. others where one time the issue was there wasn't enough oxygen. So the yeast was being stressed. So we kind of just would shake up our fermenter. And even though, you know, you're going to get some of that hop debris and other that's in the cone settled out, it's going to re kind of sure. revitalize that a little bit. If you don't have a oxygen tank to kind of pump in a little bit extra oxygen in there. And then the second time it was due to the temperature, it's something as simple as the temperature overnight had gotten a little too cold and the glycol had overshot. And so it kind of decreased. So it went out of its optimal growing temperature. So we increased the temperature and sure enough, mm. it, it, it kind of brought it back to life. Sometimes you need to re just repitch a little bit more yeast, but I always hate doing that, especially when you're at that tail end of your fermentation. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid that. Yeah. But those would be the two spots that I would look at is your temperature. And especially if you have the tilt, you could probably see your temperature just real time of it. Has there been any spikes or, or lows in your temperature? No, it was doing great. In fact, I did let it ri uh, rise a couple of degrees and that seemed to help. But uh, I, it's, uh, I just dry hopped last night. So uh, it's looking good. It's looking good. And what kind of beer is this? It's a New England IPA. Oh, okay. Okay. Sounds good. I think, James, yeah. we have gotten away from our tilt thermometers. So maybe I will make it my New Year's resolution to go back to, into it. To yeah, get back into it because <laughs> I do like having that data. And I'm not really usually a data person, but to see like where the hiccups may have been, like at what point is, I like that. Yeah, especially on first or second versions of beers, yeah. that's like critical information versus you know you've brewed it four times, mm -hmm. you've got it down to a science where you just want to repeat exactly mm -hmm. what you did last time, which again, it's also good for that purpose too, to make sure that it goes exactly mm -hmm. how it is. And the one other thing I forgot to mention for the yeast is just check the manufacturing date on your yeast as well because we've had yeast also that we might have had in the freezer or the fridge for too long and even received you know on those rare occasions yeast that they're past their their expiration date so you might need to prop them up using a fast pitch or just make a starter yourself to help those out that's something else to keep in mind too with yeast yeah it was maybe a bit old i think a couple it was almost two months old i did do a starter but it actually overflowed because i forgot it's a good top cropper so i <laughs> probably lost some yeast out of the flask that way but yeah I, I you know it's funny we we're talking about the data i think that's the engineer in me uh, i'm very data driven data oriented and it's, it always surprises me how many home brewers I'll talk to who don't really seem to track their fermentation very well. A lot of people, like you were saying, will just do the initial gravity reading, maybe take one reading throughout fermentation. But for the most part, they're just doing that kind of, oh, it's been about a week rule of thumb. But for me, I, yeah, I want to see as much data as possible. So I've got the tilt in there and I set up my program to take a 15-minute average. So it's getting wow. a reading every second, and then it takes about 400 readings a minute, and it averages those before posting a 15-minute data point to the cloud. And so in that way, I've got this incredibly smooth graph that really shows, I think, a, a nice smooth curve of the gravity and the temperature. It's, uh, it's really nice to see, uh, I think, the fermentation on paper. Yeah, that's really cool. I think when I do my – if I do the raspberry sour again, I'll use the tilt because I did – kind of just the OG and then um, 
like in the middle of fermentation. I took one in the middle of fermentation because it did slow down and it wasn't really like, usually we go downstairs after we brewed a beer the next morning and you know, you hear the bubbles. So you, I'm usually like on my exercise yeah. bike and I'm like, what's that noise? Ah, I think like someone's like breaking in, but it's just the beer fermenting. So it did lag and it could have been that the Philly sour yeast I had was probably a couple months old because I bought it at the same time as my previous batch. But I would have loved to see like at what point did it actually slow down and or did it ever really get to that, you know, the flocculation like fervor that you usually have. Yeah. So I think next time I'll probably probably do that. See or what's going on. You wouldn't have needed to wait until the morning if you had to tell you could just I know, on your see? Phone <laughs> in bed late at night when you're thinking about your beer downstairs. You know, <laughs> you're casually reading your book in bed, you can just pick, oh well, right yeah. now my sours at uh 1.02 it needs to be 1.1 yeah visions yes. of sour right, I'll, I'll pull it up at work and show people oh look here's my beer and they're like oh that's that's great and they're like i thought <laughs> you were going to show us to i thought yeah. you're going to show us pictures of your kids but i guess not <laughs> yeah you see this great curve i'm working on <laughs> exactly yeah flocculation nation on a curve <laughs> I, I always stay up for first bubble too Oh, oh, see, I, I'm, I'm almost there. You know, there's nothing more rewarding than going down the stairs and looking in the brewery and seeing that fermenter, you know, humming away and knowing that uh-huh. its job is it's working, doing its job. You know it. <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of the things with me switching to the, uh, the stainless steel equipment, too, is that it was disappointing to lose insight into the fermentation. You can't see inside the stainless steel fermenters. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a, a plastic bucket or a glass carboy, of course, you can see everything. So I, I, I see everything through the sight glass at the bottom. That's kind of my window into fermentation. I, I love having that. Now, the question that we tend to ask home brewers that are using the tilt or a device that tracks fermentation in their fermenter, are you the type that puts it in before the beer goes in or do you put it after the beer goes in? I put it in before I sanitize it as I'm sanitizing the fermenter and then I'll leave it in the fermenter so that it's just there as I start to knock out and fill the fermenter. And there's no right or wrong in this approach. I think it's just really fascinating that people are like team put it in before or team put it in after. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. I I think the uh, maybe one advantage of having it in before is that it also gives you another uh, reading of temperature as you're filling the fermenter just in case your chilling has mm-hmm. gotten a little out of hand, you have another data point to go off of what is it actually in the fermenter right now as I'm filling it. Very true. When James said the word team, I just got a random vision in my head of the tilt is like the announcer at a sports game. And it's like telling you what the beast is doing. It like play by play is in the tank. <laughs> I don't know. It sure is. I have a little picture of it with a little, you know, microphone on with the headset, just giving you like a, What's going on? Hi, right, everybody. It's flocking. Especially because you have those 15-minute <laughs> averages. I feel like it's like, here's the play-by-play of your beer. <laughs> What's going on in there? Yep. And, well, I even splurged and got the Tilt Pro, which has an extra decimal point of precision. Oh. Ooh. Mo- mostly and- because the um, original Tilt doesn't quite have enough signal strength to get out of a stainless steel vessel to be picked up very easily. So it, it helps with that. It has a nice, powerful antenna on the Pro. Yeah, so that was the big thing with the original ones that people were finding issues with the stainless steel tanks. Of they'd have to be mm-hmm. like right on top of it to get a reading. Like they'd have to go up to the tank to get you know like a really good yes. reading with the range. Um, so I'm glad they addressed that in their following version. Yeah, well, in fact, I don't know if you saw not to make a sales pitch for Tilt or anything, <laughs> but they actually 
they just released a Tilt Pro Mini, which is a combination. Uh, it has the Pro antenna uh, signal strength with the smaller form factor of the original Tilt, so it can fit through a one and a half inch tri-clamp uh, fitting. Whereas the Tilt Pro is actually too large in diameter to fit through a standard tri-clamp. So I have to put it in through my two inch bottom dump port before I hook up the sight glass. Oh, so yeah, you so you definitely have to put it in before your your wart because of that limitation in the previous model. But now, you know, yeah. if you, if you don't already have it, I know what you're probably gonna get from Christmas for from your wife. Yeah, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> you're that, or she's like, no more tilts. I'm like, tired no. of hearing about it. What is your favorite style of beer, either to brew or to drink? Well, I hate to sound cliche, but I'm very much on the hazy IPA bandwagon. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really enjoy them. I, I know it's become a little bit of an overplayed style. But aside from those, I also really do enjoy a good coffee stout, just those nice chocolatey malt backbones with a really nice coffee flavor to it. I was going to spin the question, Shanna, say, oh. because you, you like tracking your fermentation, which style beer is your favorite of tracking in your tilt that you brew like with? Which one's the which most one, fun to which watch? One, yeah, which <laughs> one do you just get excited when you're looking at that graph and you're like, Ooh, this beer. Yeah. Like, just any, you know, ale that that's going to rip through the sugars because I like to see it just shoot down on the chart. So I know it's working well, a good healthy fermentation. So like anything that you pitch, you know, with the uh, West coast, uh, IPA yeast, like white labs, one and California ales, and you just throw it in. And then by the next morning, you just look and it's like plummeted in gravity and it just has that nice uh, sudden asymptote at the end when you know it's really shot through the sugars and, and gotten to the final gravity. Take a roller coaster ride. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, go down the drop. So I know that you have kids. Do you think you'll ever let them get into the brewing process with you? <laughs> or will your wife ever let them? <laughs> well, no, I, I think it would be fun. They're very young at the moment, so it's probably a number of years down the road, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think if my son were to get interested, you know, what's dad doing in the brewery? Uh, he already is to, to a degree, of course, but mm-hmm. yeah, that would that would be nice. You know, I tinkered with my dad in the garage on cars, so, uh, yeah. you know, this is very different, but kind of the same idea. Some good core memories. And at least you got the floor drain, so, you know. If he accidentally opens a valve, well, just going to go right down the drain. <laughs> yes. Now, in addition with having all that work done in that space, did they also finish off the floors with a special like sealer on? Is it just the cement floor or what kind of mm. flooring um, is in your space? Right. The floor is what they call a polyaspartic coating. Uh, it's kind of the new epoxy. It's what people will put in their garages for mm-hmm. fancy cars and showrooms. It's like a flake that you put uh, with an epoxy, like a resin coating on top. So it's yeah, it's almost um, impervious. It's waterproof and totally sealed. And yeah, you can just spray it down with a hose. And then I have a um, a floor squeegee that I used mm-hmm. to sweep the water into the floor drain. So it, it couldn't be easier. It, it's just such a luxury. That's awesome. I also saw that you have, and I'm not sure this is in the basement or upstairs, a nice wet bar that I would really enjoy <laughs> having. <laughs> yeah, well, that that was part of the basement. It's just around the corner. Um, I knew I needed to have somewhere to serve all this beer mm-hmm. and there just wasn't quite enough room in the brewery itself. So we knew we wanted to redo the wet bar in the first place and figured it would be such a sensible place to put a kegerator while you're at it. So they 
they put in a um, an over counter keg raider. Oh, okay. Yep. Tower. Yeah. Oh, like yeah, the tower's yeah, coming yeah. out of the countertop and there's like the, yes, the yeah. catch plate beneath it. I think there's a term for it that's escaping me at the moment. But anyway, it's uh, it's very nice. I, I like it a lot. Yes. It's it's very it's like a chef's kiss of the brewery area. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, the the keyser is something that a lot of people will do and I just don't have the room for that, nor do I have enough beers on tap to supply a keyser. Just wait, you will. You <laughs> will. That guest room is going to be gone. That'll be your tap room. So just make that a walk-in fridge. Like make a big oh, convert that yeah. into a refrigerator space. <laughs> just have the piping go right through the wall so you just don't even have to transfer anything. Uh-huh. You just hook up the hook up the lines. Oh, a long-run glycol line with yeah, There the, you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could do it like they have at a at the Viking Stadium if you've ever been there. They actually you can look up like in the general area where you're walking through to get to your seats they have all of the metal pipes on the ceiling are all the beer lines running from the storage unit and the like basically the basement of the stadium all the way up to the the stands so it's really cool to see it's like hundreds of beer lines just running through metal tubes (laughs) awesome could do that i wanted to get the second batch on tap before we had uh, finished the first batch so that i could have more than one homebrew available at the same time for the first time. Mm-hmm. And of course we finished the first patch before we got that. <laughs> oh, you didn't even get to that. She'd be like, we got to ration this. You can't have any more until. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, if folks want to find you on social media, where should they go? So I'm on Instagram as Ironton underscore brewing. Okay. And is there anything you want to plug before we wrap up? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I'd like to give a shout out to Four Noses, my favorite brewery here in Colorado. They just opened a new tap room in Park Hill on, on Dahlia Street. Uh, Mitch, the taproom manager, is a, a good guy, and they have some really impressive uh, beers and, and a brand new brewing setup. So go check them out. Great, great brewery. Okay, Four Noses, right? Four Noses. Four Noses. Okay, maybe they should contact Four Hands in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they could do a collaboration, Four Hands and Four Noses. Okay, well, we want to just say thank you so much for coming on today's show. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And don't forget to check out our merch. Go to the link tree on our Instagram to access the site. And there you'll find podcast merch as well as our Brew Another Day initiative. And if you are a home brewer like John and want to share your story, DM us on Instagram. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well as rating, reviewing, and subscribing on your favorite podcast platforms that really helps us find new listeners just like you. We appreciate it. This has been Double Hot Beat. Catch you on the brew side.